that's what, cool. I, that's what I forgot to do on the last time, just in case. Well, all right, here we are back on our sixth episode of Geology on the Rocks. I'm your host, James Geology. <laughs> and okay, we've, we made it 10 seconds in and I'm already stumbling over my words, Brian. Okay, I'm going to start that over. We're on our sixth episode. Uh, we titled this one, episode six, the effusive ash hole. And today's topic, we're going to talk about volcanoes. As always, I am your host, James, the geologist. And our other host is... Brian Baggins. Hey, Brian. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm good. It's the end of the weekend. Relieved. I took my first part of my licensing test for, I guess, becoming a professional geologist. It's a silly thing. I mean, <laughs> we are both professional geologists, but I guess the state needs to recognize me. So. Yeah, yeah. Some more than others. And you are definitely the, the, the field geologist. So you went down to Austin to take the test. I took that once and I will confess to all of our listeners, I did not pass the, uh, it's called <laughs> the Geologist in Training, GIT. But I, that, yeah. I mean, they 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 guide like the disguise and it's not a disguise but they they preface like this test saying that oh like you should have learned all of this stuff under your undergraduate like uh in in school and i went down to that test and i was in the graduate program and there was a lot of that stuff that i don't even remember that we were even covered in undergraduate yeah like i would say a good 25 percent of the test is stuff i had i had never heard before prior to studying for it it was like geophysics a lot of field investigation stuff which i i do at work but not the geophysics side and then there was petroleum geology i have no interest in that stuff although i know you did a lot of stuff on that so maybe you killed that part i don't i don't know yeah so i mean um, I, when i took it i remember that i i did poorly on the the pls like the public lands or the pls the public oh, yeah, land surveys. Yeah. i remember there was a good i want to say like six seven questions over that and i didn't understand any of that until i started teaching <laughs> right so once i started i feel like i I would crush that exam now, like having the yeah. at least a little bit of the petroleum geology background and then teaching all of the because I, I feel like a lot of it, too, was kind of like lab based. It felt like a lab, right? I mean, to me, yeah, anyways, when it, I took it. Yeah, so. yeah I, I definitely like struggled on that stuff. I think I did Dr. Basu proud. I'm pretty sure I nailed all the metamorphic petrology and mineralogy stuff. See, I, and, and, uh, and there was there were some questions I literally guessed. So I was like, I don't know the conversion factor from like this side of the U.S. to this side of like mapping datum system god oh yeah the the ge oh my goodness like trying to upload the different like geodectic whatever you call it into yes. <laughs> different programs it, it it differs and i know when i took the exam like i did i did fairly poorly when it came to the the metamorphic bases i will not even lie about that like i was like well i don't even, <laughs> like and, and it, we did cover that but it just been so long since i had even thought about the blue schist versus green schist versus you know <laughs> oh, all of that but I mean, yeah, like, that, but now that, that I, got hammered into me. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now that I teach it, uh, it it's it it's it comes back a lot easier since I I'm yeah. constantly like going back and then I'm always like every time we get to certain chapters I'm like ah oh, I gotta I gotta read and I and I just and I read and I read <laughs> about it so I'm just like okay kind of like yeah. how these things like right like it's not every day that we talk about volcanoes so you no. do we we do do a little research before the show it may not sound like it to our listeners but we do kind of read up a little bit on <laughs> a little bit on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I will outline what we're going to go over today. So we're going to first talk about just the nature of volcanic eruptions themselves. So there's a lot that goes into what type of volcano there are. And maybe you may or may not know out there, but there are different types of volcanoes. So there's it's not just one sort of volcano. So then we'll talk about when the volcanoes actually erupt, what's coming out of them. So they're going to be lava flows and different features. There's going to be different things that are going to be ejected from this volcanic eruption. And then we'll talk about the different types of uh, volcanoes. I know one of our, our listeners had a question this week, Eric Barassa. Thank you for your question. And then we'll talk about uh, the volcanic hazards that are associated with the, the different types of volcanoes. Uh, get a little bit into the intrusive igneous activity. I know that sounds like boring, but it, it, it talks <laughs> about like we can use it to numerical dating and we can use it to do actual uh, uh, relative dating. And then all along the way, we're going to be giving examples. I know at some point, whenever we need to talk about it, we're going to talk about the mythology, kind of what the different parts of the volcanoes are. And then uh, we'll, as always... We will do another version of that freaking rocks. So, okay. So what I wanted to start off with, Brian, so 
I sent you the, the, the run sheet. I think it's a pretty cool drawing. So I will probably, yeah. I'll, I'll post, <laughs> I'll post both pages of uh, kind of the, how I arrange things. I like to doodle a lot, but at the bottom, <laughs> there is a word. It is, yeah. I'm just, it's, it's spelled E Y J A F J A L L A J O K U L L. Aija Fajaladjokul? I have no idea, dude. Aija <laughs> I don't, I. <laughs> You're more Viking than I am. No, but, but like, so every semester when I teach this, this is like the first thing that I do. So it it's it's also that picture that I posted on our Instagram. That's the actual volcano. Aija uh, Fajaladjokul. Mm however they say it but so i'll start off with this youtube video of like an icelandic person uh, or someone that speaks icelandic that actually says it and they say it so fast i'm like i don't even get where you're getting like some of these symbols like they're like and i'm like oh i guess that's right <laughs> so okay so we're going to talk about the let's start off with the nature of the volcanic eruption yeah <laughs> we're starting off strong you could say it like simply like some are more timid relatively peaceful and then some are quite explosive and catastrophic i know we're going to get into it that has a lot to do with how the volcano had been previously built up and what kind of magma is, is the culprit there so i mean we can we can dive in as you go but i know you're just introducing it no, yeah, no, and I think that's that's a good spot. I, I didn't mean to yell right there, but so when we think about, so what what a volcano is, is when you have the magma chamber, which is, we've talked about this in the rocks with the igneous rocks. Mm -hmm. If it's intrusive, the, the molten rock is considered magma, but whenever it is erupted at the surface, it becomes lava. It's still, it's the same exact thing. It's molten rock, it's just where it's at. It's the lava, and then based on the type of lava is what ends up basically classifying the volcano right so like it's eruptive if it's because you said it was they're basically what did you say they're like lazy or tired <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a timid oh yeah timid yeah so we would typically consider that to be whenever it does erupt at the surface. Like, so that would be more of your effusive. Maybe we've talked about it before, but it, it has a lot to do with the viscosity of that lava. Yeah. I like we that. We kind of talked about, I, I, viscosity is one of my favorite words. I love, um, I love it. it. It sounds like, oh, he sounds really <laughs> smart, but it's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically if, we, if you don't know what it is, it's a materials resistance to flow, right? So if it has a high yep. viscosity, then it's going to be like cold honey. Yep. If it has low viscosity, it's going to be like water. We kind of touched on viscosity a little bit when we talked about uh, Bowen's reaction series. So that's a series of temperature and crystallization. And so they're at the bottom, uh, like quartz, let's say quartz. That's one that is high viscosity. I always call it like sticky quartz. Yeah. It, it wants to stick and it prevents that, like you said, it prevents it from flowing as easily as a like more mafic lava so like where your olivines and your clinopyroxenes based lava yeah so like when you, i know you we we got into that like uh like super in depth whenever we were talking about it but so the olivines they're the like the individual yeah. so but when you start getting isolated. into yeah isolated it's all sticking together but so what, yeah. I, what I like to think of is, so if you've ever seen people, I know Netflix has that, or maybe a show, right? Where they, where they, they're the, the glass blowers. So that glass yeah. is, is silica is they use that sand, but they melt the sand and it has a, high, a really high silica content. So you can imagine like whenever they melt that, that's basically some of these, what would produce a really, really uh, explosive magma. When we think of that like magma chamber, there's going to be three critical components that's going to affect it. It's going to be the solid, like, so like the, the, the the partial melt is going to be like the solids in it mm -hmm. uh, and then it's going to have the the volatiles so the gas yeah. content is going to be right. affected by it and then what's the other one which one am i forgetting god dang it uh, is it it's not the water it does that's part of the the steam in it so maybe it's it's the the melt plus the solid parts and the gases i think that's it but we've talked about it before so bowen's reaction series at the top your olivines they're going to be mafic so again it's going to be that iron and magnesium rich so they're 
going to have the least amount of silica content. With that, they're going to, uh, the, the volcanoes, they're going to actually erupt at a much higher temperature. They're going to have, and this also means that it's going to have less gas content because it's right. going to, the, 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 the magma, it's hotter. The particles are more excited. The gases are going to escape a lot easier. Yes. It's going to, the vis- so it, in turn, the viscosity is going to be the least. And then uh, when we talk about it later, its tendency to form pyroclastics is the least amount. Yeah, yeah. say it's like the like because of the lower viscosity of a basaltic magma, when you see a volcano, it's not just the it looks extremely solid, but there's layers and layers of different flows that have happened over time to build it into that kind of conical mountain shape. And so within that, you have these planes of weakness along the sheet, call them like basalt sheets, even dikes and sills that shoot up. And so because that basaltic magma is less viscous, it can flow into those areas easier. And so then it's not trapping a bunch of these gases. And the gases are able to go out with these different vents along the fractures and even out at the top or whatever. The antithesis of that would be your more felsic magmas, like a rhyolite magma, would have a lot of quartz. So it's like seventy-five percent silica, I think. Yeah, it's. Um, it's I think it's. It's. It's a uh, greater than seventy percent. So that's that's full of that sticky quartz, and so it it traps the gases and it doesn't allow them to get out as well. And that's where you would have more of a an explosive volcano. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if any of y'all have done any kind of artwork when it comes to what's that uh, epoxy. I would consider epoxy, once you mix it, it becomes like quite viscous and then it's hard to get those gas bubbles out in those sorts of terms. And then when in these rhyolitic magmas or your your felsic where it has the, the high feldspars, the potassium feldspars and the quartz, it has about five to 8% gas content. And if you think, if you, I mean, that's, I mean, that's quite a significant amount if you think about, so if the total weight, five to 7% of its weight by, you know, by mass is gas, that's quite a bit. If you think about like how much the air around you weighs. So it's, there, yeah. there's, there's a quite a bit in it. So what happens is, is we may or may not get into it, but when you have what, what causes this to melt is when you have that decompression melting. If you have all this gas dissolved in it and you release all of that, that pressure, it has this tendency to go boom. Yeah. What's, what's a good an- analogy for this? So if you take a two liter bottle <laughs> of soda, you get it cold and then just shake the purity crap out of it. And then what happens when you take that top off? So you're releasing all of that, that pressure and then explodes. And that's, that's kind of what's happening when you have these massive eruptions, right? I think maybe. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Okay. So we have the, the nature of the volcanic eruptions. So what's going to be coming out of the, when you do have these volcanoes that erupt? So you have like, like if you have a basaltic magma that just kind of, it, some of these constantly erupt. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if people know this. You can get on a USGS site, the U.S. Geological Survey, and you can look and see where all the volcanic eruptions are, where they're monitoring them. And it's like daily. It's just all over the place. And some of them just keep coming because it's low viscosity basaltic volcanoes. And so you can have just solid lava coming out and when you have that, you do see some of these rocks that have lots of little holes in them. And that's where it's starting to crystallize and the gas is just kind of gradually popping out. And we call those vesicles. Oh, yeah, um, I like that. That's so that's yeah. it. Also, I'm, we're going to we're going to weave in and out as we always do it. Yeah. The, whenever we have volcanic rocks, there's a there's certain volcanic textures that we can look at the rock and we can be like, oh, well, this was uh, blah, blah, blah. So vesicles are a good one. So gases are escaping whenever the rock is crystallizing and cooling. Yeah, I, I, I was just adding you can keep going <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, i guess i could say a few more so other things like if you have an explosive volcano uh, an event you will have volcanic ash that's going to flow as a mixture of the gas and solids and it settles out in like what like maybe it's like less than four millimeters per grain or something it's it's really small and so that that'll settle out you have something like when you have those catastrophic volcanic eruptions a volcanic bomb uh, Those are quite interesting. Yeah, and they can be like completely different sizes. I have a volcanic bomb, and I think it's like six inches in diameter. So you can have them the size of a Volkswagen too. No, yeah. yeah, and then what's awesome? I mean, like not awesome. I mean, but it is awesome that <laughs> when you think of the volcanic bombs, those are the so you have this lava that's extruded, like that's shot up whenever it explodes, and then some of them it's so it's it's being shot up, and then it actually becomes streamlined, so it starts spinning, and it takes on like this football shape. So your six inch one, like what I've noticed. In in the volcanic bombs that I've got to examine is that they are really dense and heavy. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect like this, this rock to be so heavy. <laughs> 
And then, yeah, so that's that's the volcanic bonds. But then, like, you have these volcanic blocks that can be the size of what what, what you what you just said was the size oh, of sure, Volkswagen, yeah. and they're massive. So it's one of those things that you probably wouldn't expect, but they do pose a problem. But I like I like yeah. so the so when you were talking about the vesicles with the basalt flows, when it comes to the the the, the flowing of the lava, I, all of this is so fascinating. Like I I can watch like volcano documentaries all day just because the <laughs> just I don't know looking at looking at the lava, it's so red and it like makes me like like teary-eyed because I'm just so happy. No, you know, like when, if, if, even so if I happy. see it, if I see a picture of the sun, my eyes start to water. Cause I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> like it's so bright, but I get so mesmerizing. Like who was it, it over is. the summer that actually tightroped walk over a uh, volcano in Hawaii? What? Yeah. Do you remember oh my that? Gosh. Do you remember that? It was some no. stunt devil. He went across, he had to wear like this mask because of the, the sulfur dioxide and how hot it was. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, like you're just breathing in like all the poisonous gases. And I think like some of those craters go like 700 something meters deep. Like, can you imagine just looking down uh, uh, and seeing like I the have, gas plumes and mm, everything? Just... No, no. Like it, <laughs> it, it, uh, heights terrify the, the bejesus out of me. Like those, those kids that do yeah, parkour on top of buildings. Yeah. I used to try to do that. Now I don't jump off anything like four feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, it, 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 it mentally drains and exhausts me. So I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. But so what's really cool about the, uh, that so you you were talking about the volcanoes and the basalts and just the large volumes that can come out of them so the yeah. uh but that's due to the viscosity of the of the lava itself and the the two types of basaltic lava flows that we see especially i guess in hawaii where they get their name are the ah uh-uh and the pahoy hoy mm-hmm. or pahoy you, or you could call it pahoho <laughs> <laughs> I like that one better. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's two different types of the way that it looks. So the AHA, they're going to be this blocky kind of, uh, they look like your lava rocks that you would put in your garden, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. And then the the pahoyhoy, it has this kind of ropey, sheeny kind of texture to it. Yeah, it's like smooth. And as it moves, it starts wrinkling. And it eventually like looks like rope is what it looks like. In Hawaii, I, I really want to go check these out, but they have lava tube caves. Oh, yeah. The, walk. Yeah. So yeah, so the lava tubes, that's an interesting thing too, like, uh, like a structure for it. It's these, whenever it's extruded at the surface, it hits the surface it cools really fast so it has this uh, chilled outer margin if you would think yeah. about this lava that comes up it cools at the surface but underneath it it's still flowing and we know rocks are good uh, conductors of heat so right. they'll, they'll heat up and they'll keep it hot and due to the viscosity that and the it's flowing down in these tubes it's flowing yeah. to where the where it's ejecting it wherever it's it's being flowing to right yeah, but so due, yeah but due to that uh, viscosity being so low and it flows out so you have this chilled outer margin and then you have the 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 lava that just that flows out of it. So what you're left with this uh, nature made tunnel that are freaking sweet. I think oh, there's yeah. good. I think it's what the lava beds national monument in California. There's one. Oh wow. Yeah. See, I need to. I need to get out of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's not really any uh, volcanics here, is there? Uh, we have a lot of volcanics, like definitely down big big bend area. And there's some that I think it's like not pilot point. It's some place that has like pilot in it and there there's like some basalts. They're just like out there and like what the heck? Why are these here? Yeah, why are but those there? It, I would assume like it was an underwater volcano like back when we were inundated by the Great Western Seaway. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. I'm not so. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not too hip on on the the <laughs> north or just the the Texas volcanoes. But I'm sure <laughs> yeah. over time, somewhere at some point, there was a there was at least a magma chamber somewhere like in the Yano area, right? Oh, definitely. Which is a lacolith. Is it? Is that what it is? Is that yeah. is that what it is? So it was forcibly injected into that area. Uh, yeah, it was like a big granitic plume, and you can see it like all the older rocks around the area they got metamorphosed so you have lots of shit nice all that stuff um do you have any yeah, horn fells cool. uh yeah actually those are so. the grossest so yeah so uh let's see so then another cool thing are when uh um uh uh, uh use your words right james use your words right is the the so when we think about ocean basins too like we need this basaltic magma to be the way that it is because the granitic or rhyolitic and even to a certain extent andesitic i mean it would be too sticky for it to create the new surfaces for it to yeah so it's good for that so but what you do get is the the silo basalt yeah so they're underwater eruptions that like they react instantly so you have all this heat with the magma coming out they react 
with the water and they create big, huge rounded pieces of basalt and we call them pillow logs, but they're, they're really cool. I've never actually seen any in real life, but that's something like I'm in Iceland and places like that. I would love to go see that stuff. No, they're pretty, like, so if you, if, if you look up pillow basalt on YouTube, you can see it. They're pretty intense little spurts of this magma being squeezed. You can think of it almost like a squeezing toothpaste out of a, out of, out of a tube where it kind of just like blobs out and then it'll yeah. you squeeze it harder. It'll blob out on top of that. That's kind of a lot how they look as well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that that's uh, the materials extruded. Oh, I, I guess we could talk about a little bit about that because I, I think we'll come back to it when it comes to the cinders. But you you were right on the volcanic ash. I think it's 0.2 millimeters. So anything oh, less yeah, than, right? right? And then yeah. uh, it's that volcanic ash and it's, I don't know, what tephra is anything. Like I think all of that volcanic ash. And then cinders or lapilli is, is what they call it in it. And it's anywhere between two millimeters and 64 millimeters. So you're getting a little bit into this pea size, uh, walnut size gravel of volcanics that are being ejected out. And then anything larger. So the 64, two and a half inches, 64 centimeters. So that'd be 6.4, no, 64 millimeters, 6.4 centimeters. And then that would be roughly about two and a half inches. You know all about that, don't you, Brian? Yep. You know it. I'm kidding. I'm making stabs. I'm taking stabs. I'm taking stabs. Okay. So when we talk about volcanoes, I'm sure everyone in their, in their head, when they're listening to this and they're like, oh, volcanoes, it's what you think of like Mount Fuji in Japan or Kilimanjaro and Africa, right? It's this conical shaped yeah. volcano where it has the ice at the top, quite steep, large base. But the largest of the largest volcanoes, they're actually called shield volcanoes. Most of the main island of Hawaii is that that huge, the hugest volcano on the planet Earth is Mauna Loa, right? And that's that's right. that's, a, that's a shield volcano. It's just this kind of I don't broad. It's really broad. Probably yeah, broad have- like low profile. It's it's basically just a bunch of basalt flows that are coming out of it. That that sense like a hot spot. It's constantly fueled by the magma chamber. It's getting rejuvenated and just keeps building on it. And then it basically becomes this thing that looks like a shield. When I say a shield, like a like Captain, a Captain America. America shield. Oh, <laughs> no, wow. How did we, but like, I there's so many things we could have said. <laughs> I know. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, it just keeps growing outward and outward. You have these layered basalt that just keep protruding outward, gets taller, but if they're not extremely steep. Uh, like I said, low profile. Yeah. And then what's, what's cool about Mauna Loa too, is we can see actually, uh, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much it has to do with a plate going on, but the the one so Mauna Loa is that that huge one on the backside uh, or on the on the main island of Hawaii. When we think about Hawaii, the uh, the state, right? So there's that main island that is called Hawaii. But you have to the just to the east of uh, Mauna Loa, you have a volcano that has been constantly erupting for the past thirty years, and that's Kilauea. If you remember, yeah. I think I think it was 2018. There was that three or four months that it was just constantly just spewing out this this uh, basaltic uh, lava. We saw it firsthand. Hopefully, y'all remember from the news out there listening that there was that. So, I mean, that's your basic, your, your shield volcanoes. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know how much of that is like a parasitic flank of it or if like it's the, the hot spot is kind of the, the actual uh, conduit from that main magma chamber is coming up now supplying Kilauea, building it I think outward. That's, I think that's probably how it is because like I said, you, you have zones of weakness within a, a typical profile or so of the volcano and that'll get fed like because it's basaltic it'll allow the basalt to travel on along these fissures or fractures or even like it can melt previously deposited like dikes and sills and so it can start forming out there so i think it's like a combination of how big the hot spot is and where that magma can go and it maybe it just it added enough of it to yeah. <laughs> What's cool about, uh, I guess, Mauna Loa too, it, I mean, it, it, it's tall enough to on that backside. I mean, I think, did we talk about it with Dale, how there's that desert on the backside of it? Or am I? Yeah, I think I think I remember that. <laughs> Maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. But it, it's another like process. I, I believe it's called a rain shadow desert where you have this air that's, because I don't know if people think that it's, oh, because it's so hot from the volcano or the, the sulfur dioxide that's emitted from it. But it's actually, I think, from all the moisture coming up from the Pacific from the east from the the easterlies so you have that wind coming it loses its precipitation on that that is it leeward 
No, leeward. Yeah. Leeward's the other side. But anyways, the the windward where it's coming off of that, it's going right. up. It's yeah. losing, dumping all of its precipitation on that side, and then on the leeward side, it's just this dry air that's been subsided over the backside. Yeah, so there's actually a desert that, on Hawaii. Yeah, in, in that, I guess I think it's like you said, it's the world's largest like active volcano. Um, I think it's like I think it's like almost like four thousand meters above sea level. But there's another five thousand meters of it below sea level. Like this thing is massive. No, and yeah, it tells you like how how long it's been building from lava flows underwater and then all the way up i think it's it's close to like 120 kilometers wide (laughs) yeah it's this massive 120 kilometers so that's another cool thing too so like whenever i I don't know if we didn't really get to it when we were talking about ocean sediments. But so whenever you have these underwater volcanoes happening at hot spots or whenever you have at the divergent plate boundaries where they're still spreading, whenever they're underwater, they're called seamounts. So you'll have right. like, and I and I know that confused early geologists for a long time too when they first started doing is like how, but like the ones that break sea level become those volcanic islands. So they are volcanoes. And then as they, as they go down, they, so they start, they're not, they're being moved along with the plate and they and they kind of subside a little bit underneath the ocean but they've undergone this wave erosion at the at the top so this so they have these flat tops and then they become table mounts so those table mounts were confusing geologists for a long time because they're like how did these how do you have flat underwater volcanoes underneath that are you know inactive volcanoes so i'm so glad i was not one of like the pioneering geologists I would have messed it up big time. Yeah. <laughs> like, think about like you're just like what? What is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I feel like that. I'm all the time about stuff. I'm just like, what? Is this, what? No. <laughs> Nothing. A little Google search won't help. Right. <laughs> no. So shield volcanoes associated with yeah. your basalt flows, your ahas, your pahoehoes, lava tubes, and all that. The the second type that are very 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 smaller in scale, but still still in the the vein of the basaltic flows, they're going to be these cinder. Cinder cones. Cinder cones, if you think on the 4th of July, they're those conical, or it's like the, the sparkle dome. Oh, I don't what I don't I forget what the actual term it is, but it's like this little cone shaped that looks like a volcano and you light it on fire and it just sparkles and it just goes. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? So that's kind of what these cinder cones are. So they're they're built from ejected lava fragments. So it's it's these these particles that are just being flared up. It's almost like the earth is farting out these little <laughs> pyroclastic yeah, materials. So Which the, is weird because they are usually basaltic in nature. Yeah. And we just we just told everybody that hey, basaltic stuff really doesn't result in these like pyroclastic uh, catastrophic volcanic eruptions and I, I think that that would be due to increased volatile so yeah. gases in the magma I, I believe that that could explain it yeah I think I think yeah you're right you're right you're right but ejecting this but it's not really like yeah because this one more I guess when it does it it kind of flares up and burps up the stuff yeah and it and it's cooling this basalt magma into these little cinders so they're the they're the little less than two and a half uh, inches they're it's unconsolidated and it's just and it yeah. builds up so it starts shooting up this this uh this stuff and then it, it builds these these little stumpy kind of little steep sided they look like ant hills yeah they're like the really symmetrical volcanoes they're they're I think they're like a lot smaller. Oh, a lot. They're the smallest of the yeah. smalls. So I think they're they're five hundred uh, meters or something. Yeah. So something fairly. I mean, but they can. Some can get big. Like the what is it? The the Par- Paracutan in is it Mexico? I want to say west of Mexico City. I think it erupted for like nine years, and then you have Jeez. these. Yeah. So I mean, it, this one is seven hundred meters in height. So I mean, that, that's like the maximum extent. I know the there's a, a huge one. If you've driven here to uh, Colorado, there's a large. Yeah. There's a, the the largest one. I think in New Mexico, God, what? I always want to say paracutin, but it's not. Oh, I just, uh, it was just in my head. <laughs> Dang it. You'll see at the base of these two that you'll have a lava flow sometimes that, so once it stops doing like its sparkle thing where it's like super gassy, then it becomes more effusive. And then you'll start having these lava flows at the base of them that you can, from aerial view, you can see. Uh, in New Mexico, I know with those, and they usually happen often in sort I'm looking for in 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 grouping so it's not just going to be one that comes up it's going to be I think multiple that will shoot up in the area yeah yeah it's like and it can be like along the flanks of other types of volcanoes too I Maybe think that's so. what you meant yeah so yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So then let's get <laughs> into us some composite volcanoes. These are the real deal. Yeah, there's a the real deal. Volcano. 
These are the, the, these, so the other ones, they're cute. And like you go to, and you go to Hawaii and you look at, you look at your volcanoes. You're like, oh, I was at, I was at a volcano in Hawaii. So these ones, <laughs> when they erupt, you don't want to be anywhere close to these bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> so they are called strato volcanoes or no composite volcanoes or otherwise yeah. known as strato volcanoes. Either way, they are pretty big deal. So a lot of them, when we think, if you think of the composites, think of Mount St. Helens. Let's, if you want to use that as a case study, the largest eruption in U.S. history was in 1980 when you had the what was it the north flank of it, the north face of it, completely blew off. Like, cause it yeah. wasn't even like a it exploding at the top or erupting from the top. It 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 just kind of just shot off this whole flank of it. Yeah, and it like because it's relative to like Mauna Loa, it's not that tall, but it's still like I don't really remember how tall. Mount St. Helens was, but there's snow up there. So you're going to have the melt of snow and it's going to create this just massive thing of mudslides and bringing down everything from the eruption and then all other materials that it's scouring along and it just came down and wreaked havoc. Yeah. So the, the, Prior to it, it was 2,900 meters. So that, I guess that's 9,500 feet. That's what the summit was. And then when that north flank, so it was like a flank eruption. So it, I don't know if it was, was it a lava dome? I'm not sure. But it, whenever it exploded, it completely blew off 1,350 feet. It lowered the whole summit by yeah. by a a quite significant amount and I think it was that 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 kind of like shaped explosion too that kind of led to I mean if you look at pictures of the aftermath of Spirit Lake all the trees they look like matchsticks like they're they're they've been completely <laughs> yeah. stripped of all of their the the greenery and they're all just tilted in what so I mean, it legit just looks like matchsticks I, I might upload a picture of after Mount St. Helens so what you were talking about there's going to be a lot of ice and there's glaciers up there whenever you do have these eruptions you're melting all of that ice in a matter of minutes quite a significant amount of ice and what it does is it mixes with that ash and all of that mud and then they are known as lahars so lahars are mm -hmm. this this mud flow right yes <laughs> okay you mean to take the point on lahars <laughs> do what yeah yeah go for it you're, uh, you're on a roll man. oh no no but i don't i don't, I don't want to i don't want to dictate this <laughs> they're volcanic uh mud flows they're you got to think they're so like it's it's uh, all of this so you, I mean, like they're they're alpine glaciers up there, and it's melting rapidly. So it's, there's a lot of uh, water content tied up in this ice, and it mixes with the mud and ash, and I, and it and it flows like an avalanche. I mean, like it's this yeah. it's this huge flood of water that's coming down that's mixed with mud, and it's taking with it boulders, and it can and it, they travel extensive. Um, I I want to say why well, I don't I forget the uh, the distance that the Lahar flowed, but you can map them for miles upon miles from the Mount St. Helens eruption. Yeah, and they can come down like really high velocities. Like some of those like can get like a hundred kilometers an hour. Like you're not gonna outrun them. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean at least with the good things. I mean like they'll tend to follow the valleys like i guess you will yeah unlike predictable the, yeah unlike <laughs> the a little bit more dangerous nue ardentes the glowing avalanches. yeah i didn't know how to say that yeah <laughs> i don't know if that's how you say it that's how i say it nue ardentes but they're these <laughs> pyroclastic flows so brian i'm gonna hand the ball off to you yeah it's basically like a combination of a lot of things like you'll have ash and everything's just coming down it's got density so it's starts to hug the surface and it just builds and builds and i think like that's what happened to pompeii i mean you that i think it was like 79 ad i believe they were mount vesuvius erupted and it just froze i mean froze everybody literally what's the right word when you like petrify something yeah petrified. yeah i mean, yeah, I mean so, they're, yeah. they're basically frozen in time you can see them like, yeah like some of them are look still look like they're like ah and then you have the, yeah. the moms grasping their chair i mean it's it's, it's heart-wrenching yeah but that's what happens is they they didn't have any time there was no way to get out you have not only that like it's it's like poisonous gases it's shards of i mean you're literally expelling glass crystals everything that has to do with the pyrocrustic flow and you're just shooting it down at record-breaking speeds like i think one was like they recorded one that they think it probably was like at 300 kilometers an hour yeah it's so I mean, like, and, and then the thing is also the temperature so that you're gonna get incinerated yeah. it's 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 not just like oh this this gas and uh this ash <laughs> is going to suffocate me it is fire i mean like that's the name it's a glowing avalanche it's that all of that heat that's coming down as well i mean yeah oh they they actually um they were looking at a person from 
that event in Pompeii, and they found out that their brain had glass that it melted their brain and solidified into glass. And so they're they're trying to decide like, hey, can we like somehow melt this and get some like we can like look at their DNA and everything back then? So pretty wow. cool stuff. But yeah, I science man, dude. And but now, but like, so God, I can't even believe that. So yeah, like uh, also, I I believe recently. 2018 there was a big one that happened to in japan where there's actually like youtube video they're like on this i i want to say over 50 people died uh from this pyroclastic flow but it was they're on they're hiking on the mountain and then this this you can see this pyroclastic flow just flowing towards them and they're all like ah (laughs) yeah and then then, like it it just gets dark and then you just hear all of the ash and then like all of the the cinders and whatnot just like pelting them and then it it goes dark I guess they made it out like they posted a video, right? I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but it's that it's 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 from that eruption column, so it goes yeah. up with all this ash and everything that it's it goes up and up. But then sometimes uh, it will just collapse. Some of it will collapse on itself, and therefore it's cold. We they they term it. I mean, it's a gravity flow. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so you have that, and then you have when that happens, you have some of that ash stays up there for a really long time, and it messes with climate and all that stuff, but. That's when we were talking last week on marine sediments, you know, we brought up the volcanic ash layers around the middle of the ocean and on top of sedimentary rocks. And it's because that like these huge volcanoes erupt and that ash cloud sits up there and accumulates in the ocean. And yeah, pretty cool. So I think I think a lot of that too from it is so in that volatile, most of it's going to be carbon dioxide and water, but there is a fraction of it that's sulfur dioxide. So the SO2. Yeah. yeah so the sulfur dioxide aerosols up in the atmosphere are actually they can they're they're good at blocking out the sun coming in or the the radiant energy coming in. So what those aerosols they have a tendency to be suspended suspended in the air for quite a quite a long time so i think it's on the order of two to three years so it can really cool down i mean if if it's large enough and there's enough volume that it can block out the sun enough to where we're not having that the heat being trapped so more heat is being released and being absorbed so it'll have an overall net cooling effect so i know you wanted to talk a little bit about the mythology but here's a little story three two one hi (laughs) In 1815, Mount Tambora erupted. It was the largest recorded eruption. It it killed quite a few people, but more importantly, what it did is it hijacked the climate for a couple of years. 1815... Mount Tambor erupted. 1816, the year without summer. The effects were felt all the way here in North America. There was this long-lasting effect. But the year without summer why it's important. If you know your literature, you have the author Mary Shelley. She had this group of friends, Lord Byron, the poet. You had Percy mm. Shelley, another poet. They they <laughs> they were going to go on a vacation together. So what they did is they all got together and then they they hung out at this, it's the Villa Diodati mansion near Geneva, Switzerland. So whereas they would normally be outside, hanging out outside, they were forced to, or not forced, but it, you know, the climate was cold. So they stayed inside and they had this writing competition. They're like, who can write the scariest story? So what happened <laughs> is it gave rise to the, actual story of Frankenstein. So we can thank volcanoes for the Frankenstein to come to birth. So that's, yeah, so that's, I think that's pretty interesting. It led to some, uh, I mean, with Halloween around the corner, if we didn't have a volcanic eruption in 1815, that led to a summer with women, a year without summer in 1816, we may have never gotten Frankenstein. Yeah. We wouldn't have all these bad movies. (laughs) Year after year. Oh my (laughs) God. They're terrible, right? Yeah, they're they're pretty bad. Yeah, no, but that's that's a good point. Like we, I mean, humans use mythology to explain just natural things that we can explain now. They also like volcanoes can make magic rings. I don't know if you know that they do this thing, and it's in a place called Middle Earth. Yeah, and and this one one uh, (laughs) volcano, and you can go find magic rings there. So good luck. No, I on the mythology thing, like um, there's a really (laughs) right. (laughs) I know. I had. I had. Oh, and I did. Um, You had to throw the ring in the volcano. (laughs) That's where it was formed to throw it back in to get rid of it. But yeah, there was. I ran across this thing. I was reading this book, this textbook, and it had talked about the Native Americans that were in Northern California and Oregon, and it was they've been there like I guess longer than the redwood forest and everything. And so they like 
they had to explain all these volcanic eruptions. They didn't know what it was. And so I was going to read this cool little excerpt. So it could be like story time with Brian. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, no, wrong one. There you go. No, that's perfect. That's good. Stories by Brian. <laughs> Long ago, the chief of the below world who resided within the mountain called Lao, I don't know how to say it, became enraged when a young maiden declined to marry him. He swore he would seek refuge by annihilating her people with the curse of fire, and he rose to the summit of Lao Yana, flames streaming from his mouth. As the mountain trembled, he hurled molten rocks through the air and unleashed a hot rain upon the forest that burned down the trees to charcoal stumps. The people prayed for deliverance to the chief of the above world, who drove the raging one back inside Lao Yana. The top of the mountain sank behind him, and he retreated into his subterranean lair. The next morning, the high peak of Lao Yana had vanished. Which is what we just talked about, Mount St. Helens, right? Like, hey, yeah, thank you, thank you. Bravo, bravo. It, it almost sounds <laughs> like, oh, so uh, like one of the uh, volcanic, it almost sounds like a caldera collapse, like the, the formation exactly. of a caldera. Yeah, and it just it subsided, which is like what we, you kind of have that, like a subsided zone in Yellowstone. I know that, hey, that was one of our questions, right? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the super- Jill. Yeah, she had that question, and she um, it no, that wasn't that was your guy. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. I mean, not my guy. It's it's our guy. <laughs> our guy. Sorry, our guy. I Eric. Eric. But yes, yes. Um, Yellowstone is active, and they think that there's like multiple little calderas in in the whole of Yellowstone, and so it's kind of like a a subsided volcano is just breathing and it who knows when that thing's gonna erupt i think they keep saying like it could happen any day now so good luck everybody yeah that that's a super volcano it is active so i'm glad we could find a way to answer that question no but but, but we're gonna we're gonna bring it into our other our other question of the week is the the prediction of your volcanoes yeah when it comes so we can use we can use the yellowstone as a as a kind of a an analog, not an analog, but a, a proxy. So and we can see in the rock record based on these different ash flows that when it has erupted in the past. So there's this volcanologist, her name's Amanda Clark, and it says, if you want to know what a volcano is capable of doing in the future, the first thing you have to do is look at what it did in the past. What is that? We, yeah. we've, we keep coming to the same idea and it's that idea of uniformitarianism is like the, mm-hmm. the present is key to the past, but the past is you know, if we look to the past to look for these clues, it's going to give us insights uh, also. So it's this back and forth thing. But so we see in the volcanic or we can just look in the rock record and we've seen the the various different times of the the Yellowstone erosions or I mean, not erosions, eruptions. And, it, and it's usually like they're lava domes, right? It's it's the, the yeah. rhyolitic. So they're going to be they're going to be explosive. So I mean, like, whereas it would be bad short term anywhere in the vicinity of it. Uh, there is some good that comes from it. So the there's a lot of minerals minerals that are good for the soil and soil development and so it'll be it'll make it more fertile later on but that's that's the large scale right so these happen yeah. these happen very uh, less often and frequently so the prediction when it comes to the when it's much like earthquakes when the big one's going to happen like right it can be on the order of uh years to thousands of years for these big massive yeah. eruptions to occur but uh the 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 more different types of eruptions they have moderate monitoring stations so the seismic activity typically goes up so there it takes data to answer these questions yeah they so kind of like to put some methods in that so what they'll do is they they date these flows or they date the rocks and they use radiometric dating so that that does give you an absolute age but what you then take with that is you use relative dating to see like okay well when did this one happen how how long was it before another one that that showed more of a like a catastrophic explosion. And so you can date and see a rhythm in the volcano. So you might have like periods of like just little blips of eruptions and then a really, a really major one. And so you, you, you start to notice that in a volcano, even though it seems like how can we, we know all this stuff, it does have its own little personality, if you will. And so you can start to predict that by dating everything another like you mentioned monitoring stations you can do that like you said with seismic they also monitor uh, gas compositions and in concentration and so like i I remember dr basu told me like this french geologist he worked with were crazy because they would get down on this rope like out of a helicopter go into the caldera like (sighs) some of these in samples like it's just it's crazy but yeah they volcanologists they'll go out there and they'll take samples and they'll look at like okay like are we seeing more gas 
escape or less. And so that'll tell them both ways, like, oh, well, it's, you know, gas is able to escape a lot more, but are we, like, what's the magma chemistry look like? Are we going to have a big explosion because it's going to start reducing the amount of gas that can get out? Yeah. One other method was they, in monitoring stations, they use tilt meters that can tell if the ground's swelling. And if it swells past, I guess, whatever they think is acceptable, they start to get a little concerned. Like, hey, we've got a lot of pressure. The ground is starting to push up in this area. Like, And they monitor different stations around, like, say, in Yellowstone, they do that. So pretty cool. Like, it, it, you can definitely, if you know what you're doing, which I Either you or I are volcanologists, but there are people out there that luckily know, and they, it's not just a, a bunch of people just like naming off things on the news. They, they actually do have methods for <laughs> they're, they're, vol- they're volcano alarmists. They're just like, ah. yeah, but they yeah, were wrong. Exactly. They didn't erupt. I'm not going to move out the next time. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so like when people get mad at uh, weather forecasters and I'm just like, man, it's oh, it's, it's hard to it, and you know, yeah. and and all that is is just a, a like a probability. So it didn't happen. So I mean, it was in that range, but like if if whenever I hear a tornado siren, I am <laughs> no matter no matter what, like I'm I'm either outside like a like a dummy looking at it <laughs> or I'm like I'm in my bathroom. So yeah. And I have I have my tornado kit. So it has like blankets, first aid kit. It has my water bill in it. So, you know, if you have to come back, you can some proof of residency. I have a oh, pair of shoes wow. for me and all of my kids. And then I have a change of clothes in there. <laughs> like I don't mess you're, around when it comes to natural disaster. Yeah. <laughs> you're a real deal adult. Oh yeah. I, I did not even think about doing the water bill. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I mean like, cause you hear those people, like they try to get back to their, their residency and they're like, well, how can you prove that you live here? If you're, yeah. if you don't have your, cause like, I'm sure that's not what you're thinking of whenever tornadoes come in. Like, Oh, I need my wallet, <laughs> especially in the middle of the night. So I bet that's what people are going to latch on to the most out of this whole <laughs> Talk about tornadoes <laughs> next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So um, another cool example um, of a volcanic landform. So I know we just talked about, so you're like, oh, these crazy. So I think volcanologists, right? They have the, it's considered probably the most dangerous job. Like uh, one of the most dangerous jobs. Like I wouldn't want to do that uh, with your body. <laughs> I think it's fascinating, yeah. but I, and like, so I, I, so you talked about a caldera. So I think uh, it'd be important to kind of like highlight what a caldera is versus is just like a like yeah. a, a crater i guess right. you would so a, a, your calderas are it's it's this collapse of the summit due to a mass outpouring so the 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 magma chamber underneath loses volume and it's unable to support the the weight of the the top of it so it kind of collapses so it's usually so your craters are just going to be that indention from the eruption but a caldera is going to be more specific in that it's i think greater than one kilometer in diameter yeah that's right correct. so i think up in washington is it is it Washington, where you have Crater Lake, or is that Oregon? Uh, it's Oregon. Okay, it so, is Oregon. Yeah, I think it's Mount Oregon. Mazama. Yes, Mount Mazama. Mazama Mama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, but what's really cool about that is that you had this collapse of the summit and it created this caldera. And at the top of it, you have this lake and it's called Crater Lake and it it, it has no water flowing into it like by a, like most uh, lakes do, you know, the, the reservoir for fresh water flowing into it. But this is all from meltwater from snow and rain. And then what yeah. you see up in the middle of it is subsequent eruptions and that's what you get that little wizard island. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Yeah, it is. And you'll see like so that's like that's a smaller scale i got the the crater in a caldera you have other features that are kind of similar to that the wizard islands or whatever and they're little domes and i remember i went to the valley for volcano caldera definitely extinct it's no longer active but we went out there and yeah it was like i can't even remember how many kilometers i want to say nine kilometers wide it's enormous but you'll see these little rhyolite domes that like little subsequent uh, eruptions like you said and they kind of just are sparsely set out within the caldera it's just it's like you see a volcano and you don't think of how big that thing is at the top yeah it's just crazy that's nuts yeah so i mean, yeah. I, mean I think that's those uh rhyolite domes those really explosive or are they yeah they're because it's that rhyolite boom yeah so, i mean exactly. that's what i mean that's so in, <laughs> right in yellowstone i think they have all that hydrothermal activity but it it, it would be from like those lava domes like going boom yeah <laughs> 
I think it's cool when you think of your flood basalts. So when you have these fissures yeah. are cool. You see that up in the Northwest. Uh, so we actually in field camp, didn't we measure, I mean, like we mapped at least three uh, flows from a, uh, like three subsequent like basalt flows. Yeah, they're at the Rio Grande Rift, the gorge there. Yeah. And when they sent us out there, they're like, all right, you're going to map these basalt flows. I'm like, how? Like, how do we... <laughs> How do we tell? <laughs> and they're like, buy the vesicles, you dummies. Like I remember that was that came out of their mouths. And I'm like, oh yeah. And you'll notice like in each basalt flow, so as lava is coming down and cooling, you'll have tiny little vesicles, little air bubbles that leave these cavities in the rocks. And they're they're really small, but at the top they become a lot larger in diameter. And so that's when you can tell that when you have a, a larger larger vesicles, you're getting to the top of one basalt flow and the layer that's just right on top of it will have more small bubbles. You know you've reached into the next basalt flow. And so as a field geologist, when you don't have ways to radiometric dating right there, that's how you would map basalt flow. Yeah, so I mean, like, I, I all I remember from that day is just being just... <laughs> I mean, I wish I would. I wish I would have honestly appreciated more what we were doing out there. But I, as a student, I know you're just. We're, we were just like, man, this is a grade. Uh, and then they kept saying yeah. like, oh, we're gonna go home early today. So we're all just like, uh, we're all <laughs> moping. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, like if I mean, like, I wish I would have taken it a lot more serious. But so there's, it's, it's these large, voluminous outpourings of basalts, and that, and it's, and it's fascinating. Like, so what, what's the one in India? It's called what the. The Deacon, the Deccan, the Deccan traps, trap, yeah. when traps just mean stairs. So, I mean, it's the subsequent, I mean, it, that, I mean, if you think of 500,000 square kilometers, that's 195,000 square miles, right? So, I mean, it's just this massive outpouring of basalts. So it's just these continuous, so it, it flows and then it's, then it, you have this next like flow that comes on top of it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's great volumes and like, where the hell is yeah. all this? Like, where's it coming from? <laughs> Right, no. but it, I mean, like, Dude, when you when you say Deccan, like I kind of like shudder a little bit because I spent so much time under a microscope working for Basu. Like, oh, we're going to collect all the pyroxenes and the olivines from these basalts, <laughs> and then we're going to look at the oxygen concentration of each one and see how they've changed over the years. <laughs> and yeah, it's oh god, too but, many but hours. I, but I think, but like, but that's that's science being done. So it's telling a story, yeah. right? So you can at least like, oh, for the next person, like they don't have to shudder. <laughs> thinking about like, God dang it, well, I have to <laughs> yeah. look at the pyroxenes and like, right. So, I mean, it's all amazing. It all tells a story. And I, I want to briefly talk about like where you're talking about uh, the radiometric dating, but like with the the relative dating too, that we can use are like these discordant and concordant tabular intrusive bodies. And I know that sounded like a, like a, a very <laughs> arrogant thing of me to say, but all I was just saying is, is that we have these things called dikes and sills. When we know that we, you, a lot of these times, these magma chambers intrude the country rock, I think it was that's what they call it, right? right? So it comes yeah. up, but then most of the earth has a thin veneer of a couple kilometers of sedimentary strata. And then what we know about sedimentary rocks, we kind of talked about it when we were talking about your the sediments, right? They deposit in flat layers. When you have these magma chambers that come in and then they kind of pump lava through these fractures, some of them are going to cut across uh, rock layers. So you're going to cut across these bedding planes. And those are what we call dikes. So we can use yep. that as evidence of uh, the timing of things. So we knew that sedimentary rock was deposited before this dike cut across it. So we use it as this uh, in-between dating, and then you can get the actual dates from the the volcanic dikes. So if it's if if the dike was uh, we date it to be 150 million years old. Well, we know that sediment has to be older than 150 million years old. We use it that way. Yeah. And then you also have these they cut across the bedding planes so that they're they're forcibly injected along that bedding plane so they don't cut across it. They they're they're concordant and they call those sills. And you can see that at I guess the in Utah, you can see them. Is, is there one? I think there might be some in. Well, no. I mean, that's that's more of an unconformity at the base of the Grand Canyon, where you have that sedimentary rock yeah. laying on top. So that's a non-conformity. But we're not even going to talk about that. But they're pretty cool. <laughs> so, but then if you have these whole bunch of magma chambers that cool underneath the the continents, and then you have some sort of subsequent uplift, right? So you have these uh, these huge linear plutons, is what they call a, a, like a, a cooled magma chamber. And then if they're in such a way that they're massive enough, they're called batholiths. So you have what that yeah. Sierra Nevada batholith, Southern California batholith, and then that I know you, earlier you talked about a lacolith, and that's where it's forcibly 
heavily injected. It's much like a sill, but it's pumped in there and it kind of uh, swells up the the the, the rocks. Kind of makes like a half circle. I don't know. Just covering our bases with all these with all yeah. these with all these cool terms. So let's talk just for a second on how magma works and how we even get it melting. Because right, so I, I don't know if most people have this idea of if you go down past the crust that that the mantle is just this molten rock. So ninety nine percent of the mantle is solid. Do you agree with that, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. So you have this thing called the geothermal gradient, right? So is that, is that one kilometer and then it, it, then it gets up 25, 25 degrees Celsius or is it 25 kilometers? Anyways, I don't really remember the gradient, but But you're right. Like you'll see it shift. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, as you go down the depth, or the the pressure is also going to increase and that pressure it doesn't matter how hot you get it that pressure is preventing it from melting right so there's three ways that we can get the 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 that to melt and it's you can just simply increase the temperature past a certain point the other way is you can reduce the pressure and then the other way is that you can introduce water into water, water. so there's those three yeah. different things and we see the decompression melting usually at your spreading seafloor center so you, that's where you get that that massive outpouring and the voluminous amounts of of your magmas, right? Of your basaltic magmas, and then you also get uh, at the other plate or plate boundary, you get that water to. Uh, as you have that partial melting, you have that water. So is that what they call flux melting, where you add the water? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but we see that, right. and then that's where you'll usually get the andesitic magmas. So the andesitic is like if you had the oceanic crust and the granitic continental crust, if they had a baby, and that's what you usually, yeah, and you'll see that. Thunder. Yeah, you, so the I think the cascades are uh, a lot of that's in intermediate rock as well. Okay, so yeah, I, that in the in the Andes, which is why it's called andesite. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so again. So it, it can all be related. So far, everything we've talked about has been related to the 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 plate tectonics and the distribution of where it's being pushed apart, where it's being pulled apart, or pushed together and pulled apart with your tension and your compression. And then you have your transform shear. Yeah, and again. you don't really see a lot of the like volcanoes. Don't they tend to more exist on the divergent and co-convergent boundaries? Yeah, then the the other type is the the that hot spot where I I think yes. whenever I think where so like where if you were to think like why where are where are you getting this why does it even start spreading apart but don't they isn't there some school of thought now thinking that the hot spots wherever they like kind of stop being a hot spot it kind of like triggers the rifting I think I think that makes sense because at that point then they've allowed we've talked about like they're you don't just have like a solid slab of earth like it it's created weak planes and so then it'll allow that because it's buoyant it's going to allow it to kind of start shifting in whatever direction which usually is the divergent where's the rifting at so i mean then like because i know where you get it's the decompression melting at the hot spots is much like you get at your rift zones too so i mean it kind of it but this this idea of a hot spot is you have this large like conduit from deep within the mantle, like supplying all this magma. That's like the actual mm-hmm. like magma coming up through the mantle. And then that's where you get the evolution of that magma too, which I think we've talked about the evolutions of magmas. But yeah, it, then like, it starts the all of the uh the Wilson cycle as well. So but I think did we cover everything? My did goodness. we actually get through everything this time? Oh, the one the one last thing without without like going too far into it. What I wanted to talk about were the uh dang it, what's it called? So there's this volcano that actually it's in Indonesia, I believe, that due to the eruption and the sulfur content, that it's it's really uh, I guess the the temperature of it because most magmas that we see are red, but this one due to the sulfur content and it burning, it actually burns this blue color or purple. Oh my gosh! Yeah, awesome. so it's really cool. I think it's called it's uh, the the Kawa Aijin volcano. That's, oh yeah, yeah. So I've seen like aerials of that, and it's so beautiful. It's it's nuts not quite sure how it works but I, I know it's due to the combustion of some sort of or i think it's the sulfur gases that come into contact and then they it looks blue Super saturated yeah it causes yeah. it to to burn blue and then there's other things and i we're not even get into it since we can i think we're running a little bit late on time but you have mud volcanoes <laughs> too which are pretty cool yeah. no it's like legit like it's just like the superheated like water that mixes with the mud and <laughs> creates mud volcanoes. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right so i guess that's going to be that so let's go into that freaking rocks we still we still need to record i I do uh, oh f me i forgot my uh cables this week i promise i'm gonna write (laughs) it on my hand 
bring cables home so, awesome. I can, so I can record it on GarageBand and then we can get bring cables home. Excellent. All right. I, I wrote it down. So on this, um, I guess we'll just do this in lieu of it. <laughs> so on this, okay. So on this, we, uh, we're going to kind of wing it like we've, I guess, talked about volcanoes. We kind of wong it. I think we did good. So we're going to talk yeah. about what we would think the ultimate show or like uh, our, if we could pick, I guess you want to limit it to five? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I guess we could do five. Let's just do it. Okay. Okay, Brian. Brian, okay. Yeah, yeah so I, I think, oh, go ahead. I think since like we, like concerts aren't really a thing anymore and that's really sad. So that's kind of what spawned me to think of this one was man, who, who would I want to see like if I could just right now like break the rules and go do it? And I think there's there's some people that I haven't seen yet and there's a band from Iceland. So speaking of a volcanic island, I would see Seeger Rocks. And so they're a band that they do kind of like, it's, I guess you could say it's post-rock, but it's, it's not. I, I don't think they would appreciate it if I termed them that way. But they, they speak sometimes in Icelandic and then sometimes they speak in a made-up language called Hopelandic. It's just this really... Uh, out of this world kind of sound. So I'd want to see them. I'd definitely see Thrice again. I would probably see Explosions in the Sky. I've never seen them. I would see This Will Destroy You because they really aren't anything anymore. And then, is that four? Yeah, I think that's four. I'd probably just go see a symphony. Like, I'd see Lord of the Rings symphony. That's what I would do. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So they'd all have to find a way to make that happened every one of them at one show. I think those are, I think those are good. I like, so hope landing. So, I mean, is it, does it legit like their own language where it's consistent with what they say or the meanings behind it? Or is uh, it just, no, it's just sounds like, and it, it sounds a lot like maybe what Icelandic sounds like, but it's not like they just basically say that they want people to make the songs say whatever they want to the listener. So it's just pretty cool. So they ca- they were a band like on Game of Thrones. They were they did some of like the real more eerie stuff, with, oh. like the really high vocals. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right, so yeah. I'm gonna go in order from the opening act up until the what do you call it the the headliner the headliner. I would I would say like I whenever I come up with music I have like weird time signatures. Like usually it's like I don't know. My, my bandmates will be like, why are we even letting you like come up? I think because I think the newest song that like I started writing, it's in drop A sharp, by the way. It's it's yeah, it's, it's low, dude. Yeah, I know. But it, it sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so but like uh, it, it goes from like this. Uh, so there's it goes four, 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 five, four. Like and that's right. just that's one measure. So it's like but it's like so three measures of like four and then there's one that has five and it goes on but then it goes into like uh, a heavier riff but so why i say that is i would the opening act i would like to see dance gavin dance and i know what will swan their guitarist has these amazing it's i think he has his own type of following that they you know it's like will swan style he comes up with these really <laughs> unique uh, guitar riffs that are kind of just not your standard one, two, three, four, one, two, three. So that's who I would see is uh, first I would like to see in the lineup. The, the the next act that I would like to see is falling in reverse. I like yeah. I, I really like how they uh, they mix the it, they they have this element of like 80s killer like rock riffs but then they'll do it with like this uh like hardcore post-hardcore like scream but then they have this really unique like some of their newest songs like uh uh popular monster they they have this hip-hop element to it that i really like right so then that brings me into dance gavin dance's old singer uh with the band called slaves so johnny craig used to sing oh yeah he used to sing for dance gavin dance and then he sang for Imarosa, and then he did like his own little thing and then he uh, is in this band called Slaves, and I it's I, I it not reminds me of y'all's band, but it reminds because I mean they have more like an ambient but cool just like uh, rhythmic, but it's also uh, the way he sings is absolutely fantastic, as I like to say. His voice is incredible, <laughs> dude. So like angelic. <laughs> uh, so when I went to go see him, uh, or I, it was when he was with Imarosa and uh, Pierce the Veil, I uh, I was at the we were at me and uh, my 
two buddies that were I was in the band I was in a band with called Sleep Now Ophelia. Uh, we were we went to the go show show to go see them, and there was Johnny Craig, dude. He's this little tiny dude, but he was at the bar, <laughs> and uh, uh, so we're like, "Hey, dude, come take a shot with us." So like we bought him this shot, and then uh, he takes it with us, and he's like, "Hey, you see that girl over there? I'm gonna go sleep with her," <laughs> and he just like oh left, God, and then just what? like, <laughs> dude, it was so bizarre like, i don't know he was oh wow yeah but uh, i think i've heard that about him before <laughs> yeah so i mean like i know he's had problems with uh drugs but yeah he, that doesn't take away from uh that dude's singing ability that's amazing and then um i would definitely want to see pierce the veil again i think they need to come out with new, new music it's been too long i think it's been 2016 since their, their last, last album, album was phenomenal yeah yeah the misadventures dude I love it. And then uh, a band I haven't seen, I would like to see uh, again from last week's episode, how my mom had this big kick from A Day to Remember. So I would want to definitely see A Day to Remember. Yeah. So that's yours is all full of energy, man. Yeah, no. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's that's like my inspiration right now, dude. I'm. Yeah. So if you, if I, I forget what album it's called. Let me see. Uh, it's called A Common Courtesy from A Day to Remember, and it's called Violence. Enough is Enough, that song. Mm. Like, I'm, I, uh, I I, absolutely love that song, so I'm like, damn it, I'm going to learn how to play this. And it, and it inspired <laughs> me to write a new movie. Like, I don't know if you can, oh, we're not going to be able to hear it through this. Oh, no, we're not allowed to do that on, on music like this. We can't do that. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I guess they could hunt us down. Yeah, I, I guess. But so, uh, or they'd be like, why is this geology? Like, right on, guys. Right on. Y'all rock. Yeah. We rock. You rock. Yeah. So, but anyways, well, um, yeah, that's, I guess, dude, we did good. We're, we're it's, it's, we did. it's we a little got long. through the run sheet. Yeah. yeah I, I think it was entertaining enough. So, yeah. well, uh, you closed it out last time. I'll close it out this time. So, Brian, do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I guess I'm just going to make a drink on the rock. Yeah, I've been drinking my, my, uh, my 40 Creek this episode. Delicious. Right. <laughs> well, everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode of Geology on the Rocks. I hope you enjoyed the effusive ash hole. And until <laughs> we see you next time, stay cool and keep it on the rocks. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, yeah. We did it.